If life is difficult and you need some encouragement, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee takes us through 2 Corinthians 1, where we'll see that God loves to comfort his children in their dark times. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus. Now, while you grab your copy of God's Word and hop aboard, let's listen to a few letters that Dr. McGee shared many years ago. It was Gallup who made a survey, and from that, why this statement has been made. The nation trusts in God but doesn't read the Bible. And he found that Americans overwhelmingly believe in God. Almost every home in the United States has at least one Bible, but it is rarely read. And this survey results, they indicate that religious programs are more likely to draw people to church or to synagogue rather than keep them away. Now, that's the Gallup report. And we've attempted to gear our program in to help the local church because they need help. And many of them want that help. And then the report goes on to say that biblical illiteracy was found to be widespread. Americans revere the Bible, but they do not read it. Now, that's really our problem, ignorance of the Word of God. Now, I want to share with you today a letter out of Russia. Listen to this. Peace be unto you. We greet all of you of the evangelical message on the radio. You are an inseparable part of our joy and fellowship. May the Lord give you strength in your continued labors in God's service by radio. I am on vacation and able to attend the meetings in the town where my parents live. They have 400 members and a choir and a brass band. The prayer house was too small, so the brethren put up a balcony to accommodate more people. In the next town, there's a larger church of 600 people, but they do not have a prayer house. They actually meet in four different family homes and number some 150 people to each home. God knows Three times a week, a great inconvenience is created because the families have to carry out all their furniture and bring in benches and so forth. They rejoice with Apostle Paul that they can do this through Christ who strengtheneth them. May I say to you that out yonder in Russia today, there are a company of Christians that are growing in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. And I'm not sure but what they might put some of us to shame today. And then I have a letter that comes from right here in Los Angeles. And this is another great needy place in the world. And here is an answer to what we're saying. Thank you so much for being there when I personally needed to grow in the Lord. When I first started listening to you, none of my family was saved. But thank God for His grace to use you and others to help bring my husband and my two daughters to Himself. The Word of God today, friends, is working. Why don't we use it in this hour in which we live? The Word of God is needed. And then again, I turn to India, where a revival is going on. 
and it's a revival of the Word of God, if you please. Will you listen to this? Recently, I have received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Please help me. I don't have a Bible. I would be grateful to you if you could send me one. I hear names like St. Paul, Peter, John, Luke, and Mark. Who are these people? I want to know more about them. A cry coming today out yonder from those who want to know the Word of God. And may God cause us to hear today that we might be used of Him to get the Word of God out. And then will you listen to just one more letter that's a cry from out there. It says, I do not know how to accept Jesus and what to do after that. Besides, there's no Christian around here, no church nearby. To accept Christianity is not as easy as I may wish. Can one become a Christian and live later? Don't you think that my study will be disturbed if I take such a decision? Kindly suggest something. I want your advice. I'm unable to make a decision. A cry for help from India came to us years ago, but thousands of others are sending similar pleas for help today. So we ask you to pray for us, as Through the Bible shares God's Word in more than 200 languages around the world. If you want to find out more, you can visit us at ttb.org forward slash pray. And if you'd like to provide maybe a tank of gas to keep the Bible bus rolling through your neighborhood and communities on the other side of the globe, give us a call at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Let's pray. Lord, We pray for those who need your comfort today. Would you please turn their hearts towards you and then remind them of your presence and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's our study of 2 Corinthians 1 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, we left off last time at a very wonderful high point. And very candidly, I want to begin there if we can again today. We're in 2 Corinthians now, first chapter And we at verse 3, I'll read it again. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now, this word comfort here is not a word of sentiment. It's not saccharine sweetness that we're talking about here. And it is not idle words by any means. It is that which is real. It means help. Comforter is a helper. He's a strengthener. He's an advocate. He's one called to help us, to strengthen us, to relieve the loneliness and to assuage the grief and calm the fears and help us in time of terrifying trouble. That is the thing that is so important for us to see in this connection. And I trust that we recognize today that we all need a comforter. Now, here we're told that our God is a Father of mercies and that He's the God of all comfort. And He is a God of comfort in all areas of life. Now, we are seeing here in this first section, and it's very important to see it, it, we have God's comfort now for life's plans. And we see here in verse 4, "...who comforteth us in all our trouble." that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort 
wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, this is the thing that is important for us to see here. It's a very wonderful, a very wonderful thing that we have a God that can comfort us in all of our trouble. Now, it's one thing to have comfort when the sun is shining, someone to pat us on our back. But my friend, what we really need is comfort in the time of trouble. And we're going to see that Paul had that. He's going to let us in on that, and that God comforted him in the time of trouble. You see, we need assurance of the presence of God in all the circumstances of life. The area of our greatest need, loneliness in the desperate hour of life. Christianity is just a theory to many people. It's just a profession. And many professing Christians, it's just a garment to put on for special occasions. They wear it lightly. It's a stagnant ritual and an empty vocabulary. My friend, may I say to you that the proof of Christianity is how it walks in shoe leather. And it wasn't a theory with the Apostle Paul. He says he comforteth us in all our trouble, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, we are going to find that Paul's going to talk a great deal about the trouble that he has had and is having at this particular time, but that God comforted him at that particular time. So let me move on down in this section here. He says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation, your comfort and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Now, I keep on reading. Verse 7, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now, this is wonderful. May I say to you that this explains why God permits us to have trouble, or to be sick. Now, Paul here says he was sick nigh unto death. Fact of the matter is, he said the sentence of death was in him. I think probably the doctor told him that he would die. Now, there are others that think that what he's referring to is when in Ephesus, that mob came and they would have torn Paul to pieces and he would have been made a martyr. I'm not sure what experience that he is referring to here. It could be sickness. It could be that experience that he had. And he tells us that he had the sentence of death and then he says he hath delivered us, and he does deliver us, and he trusts that he will deliver us. 
Now, this is quite wonderful, and this is something ought to be practical for us today. First of all, let me say that God permits the church to suffer, and he permits Christians to suffer. And he has in mind a good reason. He has a very wonderful purpose in it all. He intends for it to work out for the good of these believers, and he intends for it to serve a good purpose so they can comfort someone else. Now, let's look at this for just a moment. You know, Paul deals with the realities of the Christian life here. He says, he hath delivered us, he does deliver us, and he says he trusts that he will deliver us. And for our hope is steadfast and in him. And he gives this experience that he's had. And Paul, on that basis, he appealed for prayer in his dark hour, and the church responded. He says, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now, as I've already said, everything that you and I have, we have it today because of the mercy of God. And we have it for the benefit of others. Now, I don't care what it is that you have. God's given it to you that you can share it with others. He's given it to you today as a mercy. Do you have health? Well, then you have it because of the mercy of God, and he wants you to share it with others. Wealth, what about that? Youth, talent, a gift, and wait a minute, suffering also. You know, Paul can ask these most embarrassing questions here about this matter of the fact that are you suffering for Christ? Well, if you're suffering for Christ, he permits that to happen to you. Dr. Ironside tells the story about a friend of his years ago was in Vienna, and they were on a bus trip. And on that bus trip, why, some sheep got in the way of the bus. And they were held up, and the man sitting next to his friend there, why, he was annoyed by it all. Because, actually, there were just two sheepdogs that were watching over and guiding and leading in all of this and hurting those sheep. And so this friend of Christian said to this man sitting next to him that is annoyed, he says, do you know the names of those two sheepdogs? And he said, why? No, I don't know the name. He says, do you know the name? He said, yes, I do. He says, what are they? Well, he says, one of them's named goodness and the other's named mercy. He said, how in the world do you know that? Well, he said, I'll tell you why. He said, David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Now, he says, goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our life. And who in the world wants two dogs yapping and barking at their heels all the time? Well, God sometimes sends us trouble, friends. Sometimes sends us sickness. And he does this in order that he might, in our lives, be able to bring out something there, you see. And it's goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And he has delivered us, Paul said. Now, I look back. May I be personal? I had cancer. And I'll be very frank, my doctor didn't give me much hope. 
But he's been delivering me, and it's amazing. And I trust he will deliver. Oh, some man wrote me, and I felt the letter was arrogant. He says, God's told me that you're going to get well, so you don't need to worry about it anymore. Well, now I wonder, since I'm the fellow that has the cancer, why didn't God tell me that? Why did he tell this fellow way off somewhere? And I'm just waiting for the Lord to tell me. May I say to you, I can say with Paul, I trust he will deliver. That's all I can say. You cannot be arrogant and be boasting in a proud way. We need to walk softly. And Paul here appealed for prayer. You notice, ye also helping together by prayer for us. And this is something that God wants to do for us, you see. And Paul appealed for prayer. And I went on radio and asked people to pray. And oh, people have been praying down through the years. And I thank God for it. But I think he's done this so we can comfort others. And it's for the benefit of others. Comfort them that are in trouble. And it's been amazing how we've been able not just can't go to all of them have cancer. I just didn't know so many people had it. But I have been able to contact several, not many. And I went to see a man up in the San Joaquin Valley, and he had cancer. And his wife wrote me later and says, you don't know what it meant to him for you to come and tell how God had comforted you. Now he says, God's comforted him. Oh, my friend, we are to do this. God permits us to have trouble today. Now, it's too bad when the world speaks too well of us. We ought to be very careful. Listen to him again. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. And that's the thing that he says here. You remember the fable that we used to read many of us years ago in our reader at school? And it was how the sun and the wind were having a contest to see who was the strongest. And the wind said he could make, there was a man going down the street with his coat on. And the wind says, I can make him take that coat off, make him remove it. And so the wind began to blow. And I tell you, it almost blew the man away. But instead of taking his coat off, he just wrapped it around him a little closer. And then the sun says, it's my time to try. And so the sun began to shine down on him. <laughs> and oh, it was so warm and nice. And he took that coat off and removed it. And the sun did it. Now, you know, trouble today won't generally take us away from God. <laughs> I tell you, when the wind begins to blow and it gets rough and tough, we immediately want to turn to our Father who can comfort us. It's dangerous today when the church has it too easy. And when Christians have it too easy and the sun is shining on them, they remove that robe of practical righteousness and they begin to compromise with the world. And that's exactly what many have done today. Now, let me move along here rather hurriedly because this is important here. Verse 12, for our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godless sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we've had our conversation, that is, our manner of life in the world, and more abundantly to you. You see, Paul now says he can rejoice because of the fact that 
the testimony that had been given. And friends, it's not by our wisdom that you and I today are able to have the effect that probably we think that we should have. But actually, we need to notice that it's because of the fact it's given simply. And as Dr. Ironside used to say, put the cookies on the bottom shelf so the kiddies can get them. Now, Paul speaks here of the fact that suffering had produced this in his life, and that's what it will produce. When I was in the hospital the first time, someone sent me Alice Mortensen's little poem, I Needed the Quiet, and I think I ought to share that with you today in this particular section. He said, I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside into the shadows where we could confide, away from the bustle where all the day long I hurried and worried when active and strong. I needed the quiet, though at first I rebelled, but gently, so gently my cross he upheld and whispered so sweetly of spiritual things, though weakened in body, my spirit took wings to heights never dreamed of. When active and gay, he loved me so greatly, he drew me away. I needed the quiet, no prison my bed, but a beautiful valley of blessings instead, a place to grow richer, in Jesus to hide. I needed the quiet, so he drew me aside. Oh, my friend today, and many of you are on a bed of pain, may I say to you, you're in the will of God today. That bed can become a greater pulpit than this microphone is that I'm standing before right now. Now he says to them, we write none other things unto you than that what ye read or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end, as also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that ye might have a second benefit. Paul says, wasn't I a blessing to you the first time? I'm coming now the second time, and I want to be a blessing to you. Now he says, and to pass by you into Macedonia, come again out of Macedonia unto you, and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? Are the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay? Now Paul said this, I said I was coming before, and I didn't come. Now, there were some of these enemies in Corinth were saying, well, he didn't mean it at all. He wasn't sincere. Now, what Paul is saying, I was sincere. Paul says, when I say yea, I mean yea. And when I say nay, I mean nay. And my friend, believers today ought to be that kind of folk, not use lightness in making our appointments and our arrangements and in the business world today. Oh, how we need men and women that are Christian, that when they say something, they'll stand by it. That's what Paul is saying. But he says, but as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. We didn't talk out of both sides of our mouth. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. <laughs> the gospel is yes. The gospel is positive. 
The gospel is something God has done for us. The gospel is what the word means. It's good news, my friend, for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen under the glory of God by us. You see, God means good for you, friends. I don't know where you are today or who you are, but if you today are God's child, wherever you are, God means well by you. May God richly bless you, my beloved. Let me repeat that. If you are God's child, wherever you are, God means well for you. I hope that you take that good news to heart today and then share it with someone that you might know who needs to hear it. If God's comforting you as we travel through his word together, would you share your story with us? You can send your letter to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109, or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Email us as well at BibleBus at ttb.org or leave a message with your story when you call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE. I'm Steve Schwetz. I'll see you next time. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.